In today's episode, I give a brief introduction to Uselot, my SaaS product, and we discuss funding and the Silicon Valley Bank fiasco. Let's deploy. Hello, and welcome to the Push to Prod podcast. I'm your co-host, Colin, and I work on Uselot, a tool to help SaaS companies build revenue through customer success. And I'm your co-host, Dan Miller. I'm building a SaaS for the first time and learning as I go. Each episode, we chat about all sorts of things to do with the world of starting, growing, and operating software businesses. Today, it's the 19th of March, and it's really, really hot here in Australia, 37 degrees where I am. And this week, what are we, what are we talking about this week, Cole? I, we're going to try, uh, well, I'm going to do a little bit of an intro on use a lot. I know I just sort of introduced it just then in the title, but I think it's pretty important that, um, you know, people learn my story a little bit and what we're, what I've been building, um, which hopefully will then, you know, help us set the scene for future topics coming up. And we're also going to look at funding because that's pretty uh, front and centre, at least for me. Um, and it's always obviously a something to think about, you know, no matter what you're doing. And I know even with you, Dan, like you're working on your, your sort of, you know, your own personal sort of SaaS, but, uh, you know, this is something that you've got to think about. That's it. Funding is, you've got to have funds to do what you do. And depending on how much we've got, that depends on the options you can take, which we'll talk about today. Awesome. Cool. So what, uh, I guess before we get into that, what's uh, what's been happening uh, apart from, yeah, same up here, uh, trying to escape the heat this weekend. What's been up, mate? What have you been doing? Mate, I've had an awesome week, actually. I've made some really good progress on um, a fairly complicated component that I was working with for the for the scheduling part of this tool that I'm building. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's because it's got lots of different parts to the front front end and, you know, a fair bit of complex in the back end. It was giving me a bit of grief for a while, but I'm happy to say I finished it, you know, ironed out all the kicks and I pushed it to prod. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Hey, mate, I, you know, I'm so bad at, I'm with the show notes, mate. I saw what you wrote, but I didn't realise you were talking about scheduling because... Uh, we, we've been doing that news a lot too. And I've been thinking about ways to, I, we were doing some time zone scheduling and I just found out that there's 15 minute intervals. I might even be wrong about this, but it sounded like there's actually 15 minute time zones around the place, especially in Australia. And I was like, oh, cause I was trying to come up with this fancy way to do things at half an hour increments. And but I didn't <laughs> do that. there's actually 15 minute ones, but anyway, it's yeah. Simple things are not always simple. The answer, apparently, as everyone told me when I asked the question on Twitter, is UTC. Put everything in UTC and deal with the time zones on the front end. <laughs> no, that's, absolutely. We've just put time zone uh, in use a lot. Um, I'm jumping ahead of here in terms of people are going to go, what's use a lot? But um, nah, absolutely, mate, you do that and you convert everything. And in our case, too, we, we have user profile time zones which feed up into um, you know account level time zones which feed up into you know something so you could really end up with some flexibility and make sure whoever's using your product gets the view that they actually need because that can get bloody confusing yeah and seriously it does get confusing doesn't it when you try to play around with time zones it starts doing your head in and yeah i'm <laughs> thankful for some of the advice everyone gave me about utc so yeah how about you what's what's your week been like what have you been up to yeah well i mean there's always use a lot and we'll get into that um and to be honest, I was, I was writing this out and I thought, it's really funny now that I'm back into startup land. Um, the last couple of years, I've just been mostly doing one thing, you know, development, smashing that out. And this is, I'm starting to realize, you know, two months into the new year or whatever it is, um, how you pretty much touch every part of the business all the time. So you're jumping from, you know, really high level stuff, talking about funding, marketing, positioning um, and dev right down, like I just said, into looking at, you know, how we might 
do some special scheduling and use a lot, which is pretty funny. But I mean, outside that, oh man, keeping busy in life, we just sold an Airbnb, uh, hopefully, our old house, which we've hung on to as an Airbnb for a while. But the goal of this year is simplify, 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 so I can um, concentrate on use a lot and not change yeah. sheep at an Airbnb. Uh, so Good idea. Yeah, we um bit bittersweet. We've had that house for um fourteen years, I think. So, um, it's so it's your old family home. Yeah, yeah. And about two years ago, we bought well pre pandemic. Sorry, we just bought this place we're in and kept that as a rental. And then just more recently, an Airbnb. Um, yeah. we wanted some access to it and um, renovated it, and it's gone really well. And you know, to be honest, customer success. You know, to do Airbnb well, you got to really have really good customer success too. And I think, um, you know, being able to demonstrate that, it's been really cool and really fun, but a lot of work. And when you're trying to do a startup, sometimes you've got to go, hey, it's uh, a bit too much. Cutting out the distractions, very good idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when when you go back to one of your old places where you lived in at some point, no matter how long you lived there, even if it was just a short period of time, there's always that, you know, that history there and you start, you're looking at it with, you know, you look back and you go, oh, remember the memories there? So that might be a bit of, you're right, a bittersweet moment for you guys. Yeah, and it's um, actually funny you say that too because one of the, you know, I'm always looking for content to write this year and some of it personal, some of it work. And one of them, I'm going I'm going to do a memories of Blacksland. It's Blacksland Road is the place and we always used to call it just Blacksland. And I'm like, I'm going to do a blog on that. And I know no, no one who doesn't even know me is not even going to, you know, he's not even going to understand the memories, but I'm like, that'll be a cool thing to have out there. And then when I'm 50 or 60 or 70 um, and just take the little, you know, 10, I don't know, snapshots from our photos or videos that, you know, we can put on public and um, and just see and just leave it out there because I think it's pretty funny. Um, nice. That's part of, you know, putting yourself out there and hopefully helps people understand who we are and, yeah, create connections. That's the other big thing I want to do this year. Yeah. And that's obviously one of the reasons why we're doing this show, right? Totally, mate. Totally, yeah. So, I mean, before we get on to the other ones, I mean, the other thing we're, we've been doing at Use a lot, which, you know, we'll come into this, is um, obviously funding, you know, how do you how do you get stuff done, you know, at the end of the day, which is when you've got a few people and, and not enough money in the bank for the actual business. Um, we've found too, and I, and I thought this would be a really good topic for a future, um, you know, episode, but just leveraging um universities we've got a really good relationship with our local uni here and have done a number of different initiatives around um internships and industrial experience and what they call work integrated learning i you know how you're supposed to like dial things up to 11 or you know go to 10 when you're you know extreme programming so we usually only take one person in uh we're taking nine this semester in um students to try and get Yes, at the one time to try wow. and get some movement on some both development and a couple in design and growth hacking. So that's going to be really wow. interesting. That yeah. would be an amazingly fun experience for all the uni students coming to work with you because it won't just be, you know, oh, hey, mate, welcome or whoever you are. Welcome to the, you know, the business. We just want you to kick around and do some little short jobs mm. for us. It, they'd be there with this cohort. That'd actually be very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we've got and yeah, and that's split into two projects, like four people on one, four on another, and then yeah, two two on design and one in growth hacking. So most of them will be working in yeah, pretty sizable groups. Um so pretty like yeah, we probably won't share too much right now. We might as well, you know, move on to the topics in a minute. But I think it's a um, really interesting model. Um if you do it right and some of the things I'm learning about how you actually, you know, can onboard that many people who up I you know, they're not that 
they're learning, let's put it that way, um, how to do that effectively um, without taking a lot of our time up. Um, and I think, you know, I think we nailed a few little things that seem to be working early on. So, yeah, um, yeah I'll definitely share that as we as we move on through the, the episodes for sure. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, so you did mention um, getting into a bit about years a lot. I'm actually interested to learn a bit more about them myself. I, you know, like I said, I've Colin and I have only known each other now for about a month or two and Colin, I Given that, like I said before last week, you are a fair way ahead of me and I, and I know you're running years a lot. I'm actually a little bit interested to find out a bit more about the backstory about it. So can you tell us a bit? Probably I'll go one step back from use a lot, and that's our first main SaaS product that my, uh, my one of my co-founders uh, in use a lot, Charles, um, we started in 2013. That was called Social Pinpoint. Um, and that was a, well, is still <laughs> a GovTech sort of SaaS, so sold into local government, state government, a little bit of federal, uh, not really, mostly that level uh, and a lot of consultants. Um, we originally thought it was going to be quite small. We had no idea about it. But look, at the end of the day, long story short, it went for, we were in it for a good six years, um, ended up selling that through like an earnout period. Um, and I guess the how that relates to use a lot is, when we were getting, now we'll talk a little bit maybe about what an earnout is down the track in funding, but sometimes when you do sell, um, you know, you don't get all that straight away. You, you might get a bit and you'll get what's called an earnout period and that's based on, you know, performance of the business and so forth. And so when you hit that, it's quite important that you, you know, in terms of SaaS, that you keep keep your customers and you grow your customers. And so customer success, look, it was our first hire. I honestly, um, I, I fundamentally believe in customer success. I've think it is a little broken, but at the end of the day, I still believe 100% in customer success. Um, and especially that customer success is your biggest revenue source. Uh, was for us, still is today, um, and I still think it should be in most businesses. Um, but in any case, it, it I guess before we had something like use a lot, we were running into some of the problems that I believe a lot of SaaS products do, which is the visibility of the customer, how are they healthy, how do we know if they get, like generally they'll find out they've churned, they usually find out too late, especially if you're doing something like a GovTech solution where you're, it's a usually a yearly subscription or even a three-year subscription, it's a lot harder to, um, you know, keep your finger on the pulse and, you know, there's movement, you'd know probably being in Canberra, there's movement uh, in government jobs a lot and all this, so all this is up in the air and so you know, we did what you do. You try to use CRMs, you try to use Google Sheets, and you try to calculate health yourself and all this sort of things. And and no doubt we missed renewals. There was times when we went, oh, didn't we invoice them yet? Oh, no, forgot. You know, like, or, it, you know, if someone screws something up. And, and look, what we found at the end of the day is, like, customer success just isn't systemized. Like, I can tell you, and I think you do, you're a developer and you're using, what, GitHub issues or GitHub to yeah. do your source tracking or someone's yep. using Jira. You know, if I go and hire a BD or salesperson, they want to, you know, they want to, like, want me to um, subscribe to HubSpot or Pipedrive or something like that. You know, if I go and, uh, you know, support tool, they want to pull in to come out, you know. But it's like you can pick, like a startup can list five tools for each department. If I tell you what, what tool do you want to use to manage your health scores and your customer success, Crickets, absolute crickets. Now there are there are tools there. Don't get me wrong. And as as the you know the big SaaS companies do know about them, um, but fundamentally, I believe there's a problem there in startup world where we're not thinking about it early enough, and we don't have so, these these tools. Yeah. So it sounds like the background there is it's a combination of both. You had a bit of a scratch your own each situation where it was really really yep. important for you guys when you're doing social pinpoint to make sure you have that that 
customer success, that onboarding. Um, but at the same time, you started seeing in other organizations that you were dealing with that they just didn't have that sort of thing themselves. And you were thinking, ah, interesting, connect the two dots here. Yeah, that's where it came yeah, from. Yeah, look, and then, like we said, like you generally don't feel the pain of it until you probably get a little bit of revenue under your, under your belt. You know, there's probably the idea, I mean, I have this theory that, you know, like at the end of the day, unless your renewals outweigh your new sales, you're probably not going to care about your renewals as much as your new sales. But the funny thing is I, 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 you could be making $10 million a year and I bet most people are still talk, in the business are talking about sales, sales, sales. And it's like, hang on, we've got $10 million every year recurring. Why are we not like, why is that not the most talked about thing every day? But yet people talk about sales. And I love sales, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying like, you know, so one of the things that we're seeing a trend, especially since this downturn, if you want to call it that, is a renewed focus from customer success to realize that they are about revenue. They're not just, you know, they're just, you know, they're not just there to run the webinars and talk to the clients and they are about all that, don't get me wrong. Um but they are a revenue-generating machine and they're actually the biggest revenue-generating machine in the business. Um, and so, yeah, a better systematic approach and the, and the acknowledgement that it, it is about revenue I think is a big change that the industry is starting to go into. Um, and as a result, the tools that are there, they're a bit dinosaurish. They don't do exactly what they want. They don't, you know, like there's all this clunkiness. So we've even seen, uh, you know, people using our competitor products and look if they were using Uselot, probably the same problem where, you know, they got it but they're still using some other tool on the side to do something else and that's when we went, hey, let's let's take our unique approach, also our love of startups and see if we can get things off on the right foot earlier. That's that's the theory. I don't know. Like, you know, it's, we're, nice. we're in a big we're in a massive game here, man. Like these are big players <laughs> worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And we're so what does, people if I'm a customer of Uselot, what do I get? What's the value to me? Uh, well, if you're a customer, you're obviously a SaaS, like you've got recurring revenue and you want to make sure you keep it and you've got a team of people or, you know, not a team, might even be one person, um, Matt, tasked with tracking that. And so it's a really good combination of, uh, well, traditionally, I'll talk about from a traditional point of view, which is what you'd get if you bought us or a competitor, is you're getting the guts of a CRM so you can track all your, uh-huh. you know, yep. like like a sales tool, but you've got the analytics coming in from the products and so now you know who's using what, what features they're using. Awesome. You've got the ability to map customer journeys and the success flow. So like if someone comes into your marketing team, sales, and then into onboarding and then into adopting your product and hopefully expanding the use of your product and renewing it, each step of that you can you can systemize the journey of your, how your CS people communicate. So it's re- yeah, it's repeatable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter who's running it; it should be the same. If say one of your key clients of your users left and they didn't log in for a long time, or they weren't using a particular feature, use a lot automatically picks that up, and and your play executes effectively that which you've already worked out. Which might be, you know, a new CS person has to get on the phone, find out what's happened. Maybe they left. Maybe they can look on LinkedIn and see they've started a new job. So. It's trying to be really proactive. I mean, that's what customer success is about, being a proactive department and not a reactive one. Um, but it's all that. And then there's all the other frills that you get in these tools like, you know, MPS surveys and, you know, all the different types of CSAT and integrations with all the other products. Because if I'm in HubSpot, I want to be able to pull up my health score. If I'm a sales guy and I'm talking to someone else to expand the product or maybe you're a customer support and you're opening up Help Scout. 
you can pull up user lots health scoring helps go go okay oh this person who just is complaining yeah. they're a red we got to look after these yeah. people what, you know, like we've got integrations with Aircall for example so if your phone rings it can pull up the health score on on the phone on the on your app you know on your phone with Aircall so little things like that that just make yeah, it nice. easier yeah and it's that's that's important because as you mentioned like before sales is there everyone's talking about the front end sales marketing sales looking after your actual customers once they're with you and making sure that they're just getting the most out of the service and the facility you're providing to them, that's probably even more important because, uh, you know, a happy customer is going to stay with you for a really long time, right? And it's five and, times cheaper to keep a happy customer yeah. than just going to find a new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah nice. it's, it's so true. And I guess the other, um, you know, I won't, I won't give dish all our secrets out yet, but, um, you know, one of the really cool things that is happening now is a really good shift to what we call success planning and things in this in this department where we're really looking at ways to go, let's recognise that a customer's buying us, but let's recognise that, that like we're only a small part of that customer's workflow and what they actually care about every day. And so if we know more about that, then we're even better positioned to see how our tool fits in that workflow and make sure that the customer is successful because two two it's too easy to think they're successful because they're using our product well. But at the end of the day, our products, again, not, our customers don't wake up wanting to use our product. They're trying to do something else. You know? That's right. Uh, and so you need to understand that, you know, and like that's what we're trying to do with Uselot as well is like expose that, not just to customer success, to the C-level, to the sales, to the development team and make sure that, you know, I want anyone in any business to go into one click button and find out everything about that client state if you know what i mean you know like the health what's yeah. happening what concern do they have did something happen in the market that's affecting my client because i want to know that you know because i can't might not be able to help with use a lot but if i can point them to someone else that's that's real service you know that's customer success you know yeah cool mate thanks yeah. like i actually learned a lot from that i was really sort of you know starting to try and find my own way around learning about what it was but that just nailed it for me thank you i <laughs> appreciate oh, it cool. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll admit we are still, um, you know, we're looking at our positioning and we can talk a little bit about that if we bump into that in the funding part. But, you know, it is, it's such a big product and it is hard to position it when you're talking to people who aren't in the industry. You're in the industry, so you would understand it. But, yeah, you know, I was at a coffee shop the other day and someone, yeah, they, I've got new shirts for it. And someone said, oh, so what do you do? Which is like the worst question. I hate getting <laughs> that. I don't like to call myself an entrepreneur because that just sounds like, yeah, what? Are you, you know, you sound like a wanker, let's be honest. <laughs> if you say you're a business owner, like, my business doesn't make any money. How can I say I'm a business owner? So it's like, and then you try to explain use a lot to someone who uh, doesn't know software. I mean, yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah. Tricky. So it's, it's funny. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably why we all end up with it, talking to each other and hanging out with each other on tech Twitter, Cole, because, <laughs> you oh, know, exactly. we can, we've got friendly ears. <laughs> So we put some of the earnout money into Use a Lot, like the big, well, the business that owns Use a Lot. So we've self-funded a bit of it, but the idea now is, you know, we're looking at um, how do we grow it, how do we make sure we've got enough money to, to grow this thing and finish what we want to build. Mm. Um, and so, and for so us, funding's on your mind. Funding is on our mind. It's not yep. exactly, you know, we're not deciding to hundred percent go down that avenue, but yep. obviously that's why we thought let's talk about that first, answer some yeah. questions, that sort of stuff. And I wanted to talk about that as well because funding's definitely on my mind. I've got a different source of funding, which we'll talk about. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm sure that's a topic that's on everyone in the software game's mind. I mean, if you're sitting there starting to build a software business, whether it's a SaaS or something you're providing for others privately behind the scenes, you've got to figure out how you're actually going to pay 
for your development time building the thing and then also how's it going to you know pay for itself as it starts becoming going concern so funding that's why we're talking about that today where do you want to start I, I, yeah, it's a good good point. Um, I, I, so I I thought uh, like we went through and looked at uh, the types of funding, which you know we could probably spend a bit of time on. I did think maybe yeah, why would you even take funding initially? Um, and I guess you sort of touched a little bit on it. Um, I guess some of the things you don't hear a lot of, which I think are worth talking about, um, or at least making people aware is even if you choose not to go down it, I believe your company should be always set up in a way that. If someone walked in tomorrow and said, hey, I want to buy it for blah, whatever, you know, that you should be ready for due, due, due diligence. Like it's almost like set your business up how you think it should if I had to sell it tomorrow. That, that doesn't mean totally go overboard but it does making sure, you know, things are clean and you understand um, what it would take if you had to sell it or effectively raising the money is very similar, you know, if you're trying to raise money. Um, and so that really comes down to, you know, keeping it clean um, and just going through the motions. That's what I mean. Like, so like with use a lot, we're finding value in applying for seed rounds, talking to some seed capital like VCs, even though we really aren't making the decision to do it at all. But it does mean, A, you need to work out your positioning. You've got to answer those questions. You've got to have a bit more thought about, well, if we got, you know, whatever, if we got a million dollars, what would we do with it, you know, um, yeah. and those type of things. So I think it's pretty important just to put yourself through those mental exercises. Yeah. And on the topic of why funding, yeah, I, I'm I'm coming at it from a different point of view as well as I've got to be funding my time. I've got to be funding myself, my lifestyle and my family. And so the questions still come into my mind. I'm looking at it from not from a um, investment point of view, but more of how can I self-fund this operation yep. in the next few months and years ahead? What can I do myself to make sure that I've got the funding for this to keep it going? So, like you said, there's yeah. two there's two sides to the coin, isn't there? So, yeah. Oh, exactly. And I think, I mean, that's worth it. We can, we can chat. Do you want to chat a little bit more around self-funding? Because I, I think that's um, really important. I think a lot of times um, it's too – well, it might have changed now, but definitely five years ago it was very easy just to go, let's go and raise money, and then suddenly you get stuck on the hamster wheel of having to raise the next round and the next round and the next round. And I don't know about yeah. you, but that does not – float my boat i just that doesn't well, you know i want to be building a business not going to talk to i don't want 10 coffees good. i love coffees but i don't want to have 10 coffees a day with 10 vcs <laughs> it's probably a good point actually let's let's talk about some of the different funding sources you could get just so that everyone who's listening you've got the um the lay of the land about what we're about to get talking into so i broke it up into two parts cole um there's one source of funding which is yourself funded and then i can break that up to a fuse um and then Related to that, there's funded by others. So we can start with the self-funded section if you wanted and just sort of summarise yeah, nah, some of those. I think let's, yeah, cool. let's go into that. So you're obviously dealing with that now, I guess. Like now how are you choosing? Is that through your work? Is that through, you know, savings? Like what? what right now I am I am the, um, the typical self-funded entrepreneur that's doing it in their spare time, nights and weekends. So yeah. the, the categories I've got there under self-funded are – you can either be independent and do that part-time, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, you could do that independent, be your independent entrepreneur and do that full-time, and that's when you're, um, you're self-funded and you're all in on the business and you've got no outside funding. Um, you're using your own personal savings to pay for that. That's what I'm doing at the moment with you, is like, you know, self-funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And with the, with the part-time, that's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm working elsewhere day-to-day, -day, but I'm using 
my spare time and my nights and weekends and the money that I'm earning from that regular employment just to pay for the startup costs and the living expenses. So that's two options for self-funded. Um, there's actually some interesting ones that we found as well. We put the word out to our folks and friends on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I got one of my mates, Ben Slater, he got out and he called out to me and also a gentleman by the name of Nikolai Barring, um, he reached out to me on Twitter as well and they both made the same suggestion. Uh, they, they call it consultancy funded and that's what they call, uh, it's, it's targeted version. It combines, you know, that independent part-time and, and also a bit of customer funding. It's where you, the founder, you know, they, you fund the product development by running your own consultancy firm and rather than working for someone else, you focus that consultancy in the same niche that your product's in and that your product will eventually serve. So that can give you two, um, two benefits there. One is that you're earning some money, um, but you're also building up your potential audience in that space. And at the same time, you've got hands-on experience about what their problems are so that you can put that back into your product as you're building it. So thanks to Ben and Nikolai for that one. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really important one. And I think, um, you know, even if you didn't need it as such, I still think there's some value there. Like it's, you basically, you eventually transition that to like professional services, even in your SaaS company or whatever company you've built. Um, and I think you will find that, you know, any any mid-sized to large B2B SaaS company is probably has, has some professional services, you know, related to it. So it's a really good idea sort of flipping that on its head and saying, well, let's get into the professional services first as you said, create that value and that audience, which is just a really good way to do it. Um, so, like, that's, yeah, I really like that they put that out there. That was yeah. a definite no-brainer. And I know there's other people doing similar ones. I wouldn't say it's in the niche, but I know Rick from Startup to Last, you know, his funding, he's through his own consultancy work or, or full-time work, which is a little different to that one. It's more, but, um, you know, some of those times you got to look at it and go, well, we can earn so much more doing this and fund and build a company on the side with sort of less costs, you know, because, you know, maybe you're outsourcing development, maybe you're doing, you know, yep. maybe you're not having to carry those costs. Um, Another so one that they- skills higher at a higher rate. Yeah. And another one that they mentioned, um, similar to that, and that's probably a nice one to get to as well as customer funded. And this is where you basically, you're still in the self-funded zone, but you've actually got some customers there who've said to you, we like what you're building and we want you to keep building it. And we're going to pay you to keep building it because we want the features that uh, you're building. So they, they actually pay you. Uh, it's a job you're actually working, but you get to keep the IP of the product you're building and you get to keep the equity in the business um, for the, what you're actually creating. So getting to a customer funded, self-funded point of view, that's not a bad one as well. So that that's, yeah. that's sort of wraps up. That's an up, interesting yeah. one. Yeah. We, we almost got that with Social Pinpoint in the beginning, uh, a little different, but our first sale was, um, you know, vaporware and we told them that, like we sold them a $5,000 annual subscription to a product they didn't we didn't have. Um, and so effectively they funded that first little bit of development, you know, um, but with the understanding that was our product, you know, so that was that was an interesting way to get in. I don't know if I'd call it 100% customer funded, but sort <laughs> of. Yeah, nice. I'm sort of in that zone as well in a little bit. When I, when I mentioned before the thing I'm building at the moment is it's a scratch your own itch product and we're building it for our own business, right? So in a way, um, our business is saying we want this yeah. here here's some time. <laughs> I'm not getting paid cash, of course, but I'm getting paid in time um, to go and build it. Yeah. So that's where that's where I'm at with that one. 
And yeah, that's actually pretty very much true. Yeah, it's because it's it doesn't have to be someone else's business; it can be yours. Yeah, which is, you know, uh, another th- thing to think about, isn't it? Especially as some people like myself are on their second one. You know, that can be options if you think about it with your other businesses. How can I get that up and then move to the next yeah. one? And that's it, mate. So that's the self-funded bucket. Um, and then we get into the more traditional stuff, which a lot of people are probably familiar with, which is funding by others. <laughs> a nice place to be if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, well, is it, is it better to keep uh, keeping the uh, self-funding because then you own it all? But, I mean, some of these options, you obviously still own a fair bit of it or all of it. So, I guess- That's um, true. Yeah, we should probably yeah. talk after we introduce these little, little categories here about why you might go in one way or the other, actually. Yeah, but, um, do you want to list out the uh, categories then, Dan? Yeah, I'll rip through them quick. Bank loans, that's where you borrow money from another organisation, i.e. bank or some you know similar arrangement, and they pay for your startup and maybe even living expenses. And eventually, you've got to pay the loan back, most likely with interest. And in this economic climate, probably the interest rate's going up and up and up. So bank loans, one way you can actually fund your startup. Uh, another way you can do is through loans from family or friends. And, you know, if you've got that rich uncle, maybe that you can knock on the door there and, and say g'day. Um, look, that's where you borrow money from other people and they help, again, pay for your startup and your living expenses and you pay that back as well. It's very similar to a bank loan, but uh, it's got probably more flexible and friendly terms because you've got that personal relationship there. But equally, there is high responsibility and you might want to think about that one carefully if you go down that route. Um, we've got Sponsorship. This is where people or organisations pay you to build your product in such a way that it gets some sort of promotion or marketing exposure for their own interests. That's pretty cool. Um, Do you think that's I know, similar um, to sort of, um, what would you call it, like um, what's the words escaping me though, like when someone almost commission-based funding, like where someone, um, you know, they might need the tools so they're selling, they're doing a lot of the legwork and then some of that, is available for you to build the product effectively That's for them. It. It's a little like customer funding, but it's like you're basically having to give them uh, a bit of, you know, the money in order for them to do their job, but you're getting some benefits. I don't know. It's a little different to sponsorship, but it is sort of related. Yeah. Sponsorship, um, if you ever haven't listened to the podcast Slow and Steady, and that's got um, – one of the hosts on there, Benedicta, she she does this um, really, really well, actually. She builds good relationships with other companies who produce certain things or have certain skills. And then she says to them, hey, I'm really good at producing products. Would you like me to build a product for you using your technology? Uh, and you can pay me in the form of sponsorship to help build that. And she's amazing at it. She's done it a few times now. Um, the most recent one that I know of, she produced something called Prune Your Follows, which uses uh, another company's technology behind the scenes to do that. And it's it's gone wild. It's great. So, Benedicta, well done for going down that sponsorship path. You're doing well there. Um, it's creative. Absolutely. Yeah. This next one is grants. And I wanted to yeah. say thanks to my old mate, John Morrissey, who reached out to me on LinkedIn for the reminder on this one. The reason why he reminded me of that is because John and I worked on a project many, many years ago where we actually were funded by a grant from a, a government organization to actually help build this product. Um and, and that's what grants are. Some other organisation, they'll agree to provide you or your initiative with funds since whatever you're doing has the same characteristics that align with what the goals they have and what they're aiming for. So you can get all sorts of grants, things like research grants, grants to provide for delivery of services or grants that help fund infrastructure or help build capacity. And um, yeah, most commonly they come from governments, but you could get 
grants from aid organisations or charities and foundations as well. So, yeah, thanks, John, yeah, for that I'll- one. <laughs> yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, I love grants. Like, I think, um, you know, we, we've made use of probably three primary ones, you know, obviously the R&D tax incentive that you get, uh, at least in Australia. I'm, not, I'm sure all the other countries have similar ones. Um, export marketing grants. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, exporting your product, which in Australia, that's obviously probably what you're doing a lot of the time. Um, so, that that's great benefits. And then more recently, um, a lot of the state governments are doing, um, MVP style grants, and in fact, the state that I'm in in New South Wales, they've just upped that to two hundred thousand matched funding. So you know, we're playing around with the idea of seed funding. X number, you know, pull in three hundred thousand dollars seed. You put two hundred. You know, you demonstrate you have that money or the capability to have it. The New South Wales MVP grant will match two hundred thousand wow. of that. Effectively, can you know, if you raise two hundred thousand, you could get four hundred thousand. So, I think. Um, I think grants are always something, even if you're doing all the other things or, you know, you're loaning off someone else or whatever, I think grants, it's it's effectively free money sometimes. Yeah. Or You've got to deliver, uh, of course, but yeah. Work. Yeah, you've got to deliver and there's sometimes a bit of work and, go- and if it's coming from the government, a little bit of rigmarole around their processes. They can be slower to check because, you know, sometimes they get literally, you know, thousands of applicants. Um, but I think it's, you know, keep you keep your finger on the pulse of those grants. I think sometimes you'll be surprised um, how much is out there, you know, and there's websites that you can search and all that sort of stuff, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of being surprised about how much is out there, crowdfunding is an interesting source. You'd be surprised when it comes to just getting out there and speaking to the world at large that there's a huge amount of people who are interested in actually just supporting um, other startups or starting other help support other businesses just by providing funds to them. So that's what crowdfunding is. Uh, other people just out in the public, they provide you with either a straight donation or a payment with some expectation of reward, you know, like merchandise or future products or discounts. Um, that's an awesome source of, you know, funding by others for your business. You, in those scenarios, that's what it's sort of the one that you've got to, you've got to make sure you actually are capable of delivering and that at the same time, you can do it in a timely manner as well. Because if people are going to support you, they expect some, they expect to see results, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Have you have you um, had any experience with it? Have you been on, like, have you backed, for example, Kickstarters or? Yeah, I've backed a few stage? in the past. Um, you know, it's just exciting when you sort of some, see someone out there building something and you say, I'd love to see that for sure. Here, take, take my money, <laughs> have fun, get on with it. Because I really want to see this in the world. I love the idea of that. Um, but yeah. It's it's one of those ones that comes with a bit of responsibility as well straight away. Not not that none of them, not not that the others don't, but yeah, definitely when you when you're talking to the public, if uh, it doesn't go right, they can very scream very loud, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's other tool, <clears throat> other websites now like Republic, um, which are crowdfunded. You know, actual legitimately buying shares in companies. Um, through crowdfunding, which is really cool as well. So, um, yeah. A lot more opportunities like for that sort of, what do they call it, micro investing and stuff, which is, you know, then obviously helps the guys on the other end. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And then that takes us to the last one, which is the one that's everyone's probably most familiar with and funding by others, and that's investment. And this is where you receive funds from an outside organisation, you know, either whether that's a person or some other company, and the funds are used to pay for your startup expenses. And your investors could have varying levels of operational control, like they might actually have a say in how you run your business, depending on how much they kick in. And 
they may or may not receive some sort of stake in the business. There's a few different models out there, so we'll get into that in a minute. But um, eventually, you provide returns to the investors in some way, and they expect to get that in the form of whether that's uh, a, a repayment of the amount they give you plus some extra amount, or if they have a stake in your business because they've invested in it, well, they expect to see some sort of dividend payments paid to their account when you make profits. And also, if they get a, an equity stake in your business, they want to see that value of that equity rise over time. They want to see your business doing well and getting better and better and better. So it's worth more and more and more because that initial investment for them grows. And yeah, that's the one that everyone's most familiar with. And there's some real benefits to it, but also there's a few interesting impacts of it as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So with that, I mean, we'll probably get into it because that one's obviously got the most sort of upside, but also some of the, the biggest downsides. Um, is there anything in, how would you go about choosing like what, you know, what funding is more comfortable for you? I mean, you know, obviously you can't answer that just you know, across the board, but yeah. what would you be thinking about if someone came up and said, what should I do? What's the type yeah. of? The question always runs through my mind is what do I want to get out of it right now? What do I want to get out of it in the future? And where am I actually at with this business, right? Um, in this, In my particular scenario right now, I'm really, really early stage. I've never built a SaaS before. And, you know, I've, although I've got lots of experience building software in the past, I haven't actually built a SaaS before. So that says to me, right, in terms of my abilities, I probably can't go as fast as a lot of other people can. Um, and at the same time, if someone was to actually come up and speak to me and say, can I invest in your business? As soon as they start understanding my background, they'd probably look at that and go, probably not fast enough at this point in time. Um, maybe we'll pass and we'll come back and talk to you at some point in the future. So that leaves me to the position of saying, right, well, what can I do myself? What's my self-funding options? And then you'll probably start asking questions along the lines of, what sort of life do you want to live? Um, and that's what, that's what I was hinting at before. Between the two different funding option models, you're going to have a very, very different life. So if you're self-funded and if you can pick one of those self-funding options that actually gets you a calm lifestyle, then you'd probably take it if that's what you're looking for. Whereas if you've got a lot of time on your hands and you've got a lot of energy and you've got speed and you've got a lot of backing in terms of the people that are working with you, well, you can probably go really fast. And if you're in an area that you're building in that you know it's got growth potential, you might actually want to consider investment because that can really amplify what you're doing and just put it on rockets, basically, send it super fast. So, yeah, that's the sort of things that I would be thinking of. What about you? Yeah, like I look at um, – I totally agree. Lifestyle, like I think that's the – biggest thing you, sh you and your, if you've got co-founders, need to be aligned on what you're actually trying to do. There's no use having one who, you know, wants to go to the moon and the other one just wants to, you know, do three days a week and, and pull dividends down the track or something. So, you really need to make sure you're all aligned. Um, but at the same time, yeah, personally myself, I am more of that, like similar to you and our founders are as well that, you know, the business is there to support our other goals in life um, and so it needs to be complementary like that. You know, I don't want to get rung over by other people telling me what I have to do and how fast I have to do it. Um, maybe that's just my age now. You know, I don't know, in your 20s maybe you want that. Um, but one of the things that you probably need to look out for I think is also the market you're in. Um, it's not always true but like if you're coming into a market where all your competitors continually raise money, it's mm. going to be very hard to compete. Now, having said that, what does competition mean? Maybe you just want to be 
a little slither of a big pie. And that's fine, again, going back to the first statement. But it is something you've got to think about because if you know, you're bringing value now in that little slither, but if one of those big competitors just keep getting funding and then they can turn around and either, you know, get someone else to do what you're doing or whatever, they can pretty rapidly squash you. So, but the other, you know, the, the other happens as well. So, I guess Social Pinpoint was a, a very good example of a market that's a lot slower, needing to be educated. It's, it's in government, so the, the whole sales cycle is slower. Um, and when we looked around, very few of our competitors were big time fundraising. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it was a really good way to just, it's a barometer. You know, you can look at it and go, right, well, we don't have to be on that train of how do we get Series A, Series B, Series C, whatever. We had other friends running businesses who started at the same time that were, I won't say competing with Uber, but in that same type of space, if you know what I mean, in terms of ride sharing. Yeah. Uh, and they had to go down that cycle because if not, you know, maybe not yeah. Uber, but one of the other ones would compete with them. That's so, right. The train has already left the station and you better be yeah. on it because the, yeah. the opportunity is running fast. <laughs> exactly. And I think the other one that I think, because, um, you know, I know we're getting long. I think one of the other things, just look at who you are and what skills you have because there's no use in it. Like it's great to get money, but it's not about the money a lot of the time. It's about giving you the fuel to expand, like to grow. And that's not just money, that's the expertise and skills and contacts and all these other things. And so it's great to take money off friends and family, for example, but if they, if that's the only thing they can give you, then that's, I don't know, to me, that's a very risky thing. You know what I mean? Whereas a, and then it's just as bad. An investor could give you $200 million or whatever, um, but they might be totally dragging you down a wrong path or telling you they connect you to X, Y, and Z and then don't deliver on that. So just because they've got more money doesn't mean they've got more connections either. That will be a line. So you really yep. need to factor that in. And look, I'll give a shout out to people like, you know, Rob Walling from Tiny Seed, that they are a seed, they're, they're you know, they, they're buying equity in companies, but they're doing it really founder friendly. And I think that's really cool to see that they're not expecting them to keep doing that, you know, series A, B, C, D, E, whatever, whatever it is. They're, they're, they're almost giving you the self-funded sort of ability to do that life cycle, pay dividends and all that, but yep. do it in a way that you can take money off them. And obviously they have a massive network that people like us in our circles, we look at and go, God, yeah, that, that I can see why I'd want to go down that funding route, you know? Yeah, that's one of the things that I would always consider as well. If the time was right, um, you know, when you do stuff by yourself, it's great. But if you can actually connect in with some people who have been there before you and they can provide you some mentoring and some lessons, that in itself is, it's invaluable. It's, it's worth its weight in gold. And you don't just, you don't just get that um, unless you actually are really connected to people. So, a lot of those investment models are geared towards that. So, there is definitely some positives there for sure. Actually, that gets me to thinking about, you know, what what would be some of the the stepladders or the or the steps that you would go through to move yourself up through these different various funding models over time, you know. I'm starting in the independent part-time and hopefully one day I can get to the independent full-time. Along the way I might start thinking to myself, interesting, you know, is is customer funding uh, something I could explore even further? And then look, hopefully, and this is where you know you cross your fingers, you think to yourself, if this goes well, and it starts actually proving value and it proves that you've got some sort of, you know, customer market, product market fit and it's moving faster, that's when you might actually consider investment. You might say, you know what, this is moving. Let's move it fast. Let's let's get some funding behind it so we can actually grow the marketing, grow the sales, grow the team, 
you know, that's something I probably wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say no to it in the future. But right now, I'm in, I'm at an early self-funded stage, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And like, I mean, obviously, you want to get to the point where your customers fund, your customers not doing it for them as such, but, you know, you literally just through sales and recurring revenue, <laughs> plug, um, fund mm-hmm. your growth. I mean, that's the idea of what you want. But your point there, I mean, I remember Alassian in their early days when they, I won't say, I, I don't know if it was their first main chunk of money, but when they raised a fair bit, you know, 60, back then a fair bit, 60 million or whatever it was. You know, as far as I knew, I'm not in Atlassian, so I don't know, but I was very well connected in the, you know, their their space. I think it sat in a bank because they didn't need the money. They yeah. needed the connections, you know, uh, to keep growing that thing because it was a that's, rocket ship, you know. That's interesting when you say that. It's lucky it sat in the bank back when it did because if it had a sat in the bank recently, have you been keeping oh, tabs, Colin, what's what been going on in, SV, in Silicon yeah, Valley Bank and all that? Podcast. So we were going to touch on some new stuff and obviously we couldn't do our first major episode without, you know, bringing up the whole Silicon Valley Bank thing this week. Um, we're not experts by any means, but um, I certainly did follow along Social Pinpoint. Uh, both use a lot in Social Pinpoint have gone through Stripe Atlas, uh, which you know, up until recently, uh, SVB was the the primary bank for that. So if you got a if you got a US entity with them, you had a SVB bank account. Um, Social Pinpoint does have an SVB bank account. Um, so that was you know it, it did touch. I'm still a really 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 minority shareholder in my old company, so yeah. I do have a bit of a you know I sort of reached out and went you know what's the deal, but it's all good. Um, I've been keeping tabs on this. This has been interesting. I was a bit sad, to be honest. I just felt like, look, SVP's website and like all banks in America is shit, Um, (laughs) but the actual bank and what they do for people and the people in our communities, at least in that startup space, it's really good. And to see it just rapidly decline like it did, I don't know if we need to go through too much of the background, but it really gets me thinking about the new era we're in. It's not even that new anymore of – of social, the ability to generate a hype cycle so quick and a feedback loop, both positive or negative, and it can bring down a bank like that, which oh, is quite yeah. a hard minor bank. Yeah, so the backstory on that one was just, you know, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, had it's, it was basically funded and it was the funding provider for a lot and a de- uh, deposit holder for a lot of uh, tech companies and especially some um, big, big name VCs. And then what happened is one of the big name VCs got wind that Silicon Valley Bank's assets were dropping in value fast. And that was something to do with how the, you know, the US Treasury um, uh, interest rate was growing and the value of bonds was dropping. Probably, let's, let's be honest, like SVP probably made some dumb investments. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. And this one VC turned around and said to, I'm, I'm pulling my money out and I, I recommend that all other you people that I'm influencing, I reckon you should pull your money out as well. And you had this good old-fashioned bank run. So back to the funding, why we're talking about SVB on this one is- if you get funding, you need to be careful where you put that funding, right? <laughs> it's a bit, it's, you, you sort of go, yeah, put it in a bank on higher interest rates, but it's like, yeah, well, that's what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, no, interesting. But, and, and to be honest, um, even more so now, not only because of just what happened, but interest rates are going up. So if you're lucky enough to be sitting on millions of dollars of, um, you know, investment, you, that's 
that's making money. <laughs> that, that's yeah. paying for multiple rolls a month, you know, in the headcount yeah. just because of the interest. So it's uh, you couldn't say that when the interest rate was like zero over there in the states, but now it's 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 we're back to the old ways where you actually make money on in, on interest. So um, yeah, very interesting story. Obviously, it's still developing. We don't know, you know, the outcomes of all that, but it is fun. I I was quite. I've been glued to it a little bit just to see the sort of the flow on effect. And I was saying to you before we got on, like, you know, I, you know, I'm in crypto a bit. And I Friday I was looking at my portfolio. And I went, wow, it's gone. What's happening? Of course, it's going up because everyone, you know, you get these hype cycles again of people going, well, I can't keep money in. You know, the banks are down. You know, like banks are all evil. We have to put our money in. You know, crypto <laughs> and Web three is the future. So suddenly now Bitcoin's going up, and it's just like, yeah, God, come on, like that's the old adage, man. Yeah. You've got to you've got to keep coming back to that old adage. Don't put your all your eggs in one basket. That's one basically basket, the fundamental right? yeah. thing that's going on here. <laughs> spread yeah. your spread your risks. People are obviously doing that now. Even I've seen a lot of t- uh, investors moving their money back into SVB, but not all of it. You know, <laughs> yeah. spreading it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think um, now we've run pretty long. I thought this would go along with the investment one. So um, let us know how. You know, let us know your thoughts on investments. Uh, not sorry, I shouldn't say investments, funding options. Um, but also, you know, how did you guys take any of the news with SVB? And um, I'm, I'm always after feedback on you know our stories and what we're doing up at Use a lot. We have a few shout outs though. <clears throat> oh, for sure. This week, shout outs. We did actually put the call out via Twitter and LinkedIn, and we wanted to see if anyone had any thoughts on or questions on the topic that we we're talking about funding model. And I wanted to give a shout out to Morton B Stensland. He reached out to me via Twitter. And he had this to say, he just said, funding, fine, just don't loan the money that is secured with your own house or apartment to finance the startup. Yeah. My biggest fear as a startup founder would be to lose my home because my idea failed. Thanks, Morton. That is very sage advice and that something really I definitely good. agree yeah, with. Really good advice. Yeah. <laughs> you got any shout outs, yep. Cole? Yeah, look, mate, we got one from Nathan Powell. I'll admit I haven't actually uh, listened to his podcast yet. He's a fair few ahead of us as well called Startup Apart. Oh, um, I love it. You, it's awesome. Get yeah, into it. it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, no, I will. I've just got a lot of my uh, podcast feed that I've got to get through. But, yeah, look, Nathan <laughs> was um, kind enough to reach out to us and say, like, the first Australian podcast I've listened to. Looking forward to more, guys. So, man, massive uh, Nathan, thank you. Appreciate it. I'll do a better job of actually listening to yours as well. I just haven't got around to it. I, to be honest, I haven't listened to many this week. It's just been one of those weeks. But yeah, um, oh, him and Mike will do a good job. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Actually, that's interesting. Do you reckon we're? I don't know. We can't be. Oh, there's. I wonder if there's any other two. You know, two Australian blokes talking about software businesses doing it on that podcast. Who knows? Maybe we are the first. Who knows? <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, I don't listen to any, but uh, that doesn't mean there isn't. Yeah. So if oh, you know, well. send them through. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think that's, I think we've kept people's ears going long enough, hopefully. We've definitely got a, a few episodes planned uh, every week. So hopefully you'll, um, not not every week, but we've got some coming over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. So thanks for listening. Look, you can reach us on uh, Twitter at push to prod, like push to prod pod, I should say. You can also email us. We really would like, um, you know, ideas for new shows, questions, all that. And that's also push to prod pod at gmail.com. So any, we'd love any suggestions, topics, questions, things like that. You can look, you can follow me as well on Twitter. I'm at GOMO, G-O-M-M-O on Twitter and Dan. And I'm Mr. Dan Miller. Very formal. You know, I should have, I should have had something a bit more fun than that, but that was, that was the one that was closest to my name. So I picked it. (laughs) 
Awesome. Oh, mate, look, I really appreciate spending a Sunday night with you, Dan. Um, yeah, thanks heaps, yeah. mate, and until next time. You too, Cole. That's been great chatting to you. I look forward to speaking to you again next week, mate. See you then. See you, See you guys.